Hey guys, this is Liz Cambay. This is Nikki Collin. What up, guys? It's Ethan Starkey. Hey, this is Imani Lee Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. WNBA Nation, what's up, everybody? So stoked to be back on mic to discuss all things WNBA and women's hoops. Um, my name is Kyle Haywood, and joining me tonight, as per usual, is my good friend Logan Jones. Logan, how you been, man? I'm good, Kyle. How are you? Uh, not bad, man. It's actually been a really pretty solid week for me. I've had a really good week. Um, I heard that you took a little vacay. I did. I uh, so I in the last week learned that I uh, I landed a job, uh, and so before starting next week, I decided to take a little jaunt up to Yellowstone. Sweet, uh, enjoy uh, Yellowstone National Park, and I came back to some interesting scores around the league, uh, to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> Logan was just telling me everybody before pre-record. He's like, I got back after not having much service, and I feel like all I've done is just watch basketball and catch up, like with every, with all the all the games that are going on. Yeah, there's a uh, there's there's been a uh, a, a couple stunners, a couple stunners. <laughs> We're going to talk about some teams today, give give everybody kind of an overview of uh, our takeaways from really the first week and a half of, uh, of action. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, definitely going completely dark uh, and being off the grid for a few days and then coming back, uh, coming right back in was a, an, an interesting experience. <laughs> well, so Logan, let's just, let's go ahead and, and jump into it. Um, well, actually, before we do that, we just, we do want to give a quick shout out to all of our patrons. We've got a couple of you that are new uh, to our Patreon page. So thank you. So a couple of you have joined since our, our last recording. We want to give you a shout out and, and tell you that we appreciate that. Um, and also let any of you that are listening right now, a uh, quick way to follow us and get in contact with us is to follow us on Twitter at WNBA Nation Pod. Um, if you happen to be listening on uh, Apple Podcasts, go ahead and snag us a five-star review. We actually f- just hit over 100 reviews, Logan, uh, which is pretty solid, and we're, we're rocking at five stars uh, there with over 100 reviews. That's awesome. And the more the reviews that come in, everybody, um, the more the reviews come in, the quicker our podcast shows up for people who are looking for basketball and sports podcasts. And hopefully, uh, if we get more reviews, if you guys will help us out, um, that will help get more people introduced to the WNBA and women's basketball and be able to spread the love for these, uh, for these athletes. And so um, if you uh, have two seconds, go ahead and pause. We'll wait. We'll wait for you. Pause it real quick. Hit that five-star review real fast. Um, and that'll help us out. If you're listening anywhere in, you know, Apple Podcasts and anywhere else, uh, go ahead and hit subscribe so that you can always make sure that you hear when we're, uh, when we're coming on. Right now, our tentative schedule, we'll see, this may fluctuate if there's you know, special things that happen throughout the, the league or you know, with playoffs or something like that. Obviously, this may change, but right now we're planning on getting episodes out Sunday night slash Monday morning for one episode and then another one. Uh, either Wednesday night or Thursday morning. Um, And that way we can kind of get two episodes out that way we're not having to cover, you know, a full week's worth of, you know, three or four games per team 
um, trying to trying to get those covered. So that's when our episodes are going to drop. But feel free to check those out. Fact, you can uh, also. Oh yeah, go ahead. Just to jump in, if uh, if you're new to the show and new to WNBA uh, fandom, uh, first of all, welcome. Uh, this has been a really like good season so far for WNBA ratings. The orange hoodie is like the most popular thing on Fanatics and we've got a lot of good momentum going for our show and a lot of new listeners. Um, I would like to just uh, encourage you to go back to about May or June in our, in our show feed. And uh, in addition to listening to our, our latest updates on the goings on in the league and, and games uh, being played this week, uh, I would look up the W history series. That, yes. Uh, that, that Steven and Kyle and I uh, put together and, and, and our editor Jason was able to, to put a nice, uh, sleek packaging on uh there's there's a three-part series on the the houston comets um back to back to back to back uh championship wins from from the early days of the wnba and uh in addition to some evergreen interviews that we did back in uh in may june i think those are some episodes that uh perhaps some new listeners would uh would like to go and uh spend a couple hours uh knocking out i i would highly recommend looking those up if uh if that's something that you know you're doing laundry this week and you got to fold, and uh, and the the half hour episode you're listening to right now ends. Uh, go look that one up, and I, I think you uh, you won't regret it. No, absolutely. Those were those were a ton of fun. I know Steve put a lot of hours into that research, and honestly, some of the most fun episodes that we've ever recorded together. I thought that was a they were a blast. Um, but uh, yeah, let's uh, let's let's hop right into uh, to this kind of what I'm I just going to want to ask you Logan you said you came back after after a couple of days of being gone up into Yellowstone on a little vacation and what are your thoughts right now uh, you know as uh, you know whether it's standings whether it's an individual team whether it's a player that's that's caught your eye what are just some initial quick thoughts uh that you have about about where we're at after four games apiece uh I've I have a general impression of what the league is going to look like uh, at this point, even though this is such a small sample size, uh, it's already evident kind of which teams have their, their act together and have aspirations for championships and which teams have major problems. Uh, I'm most surprised by the major problems we're seeing with Connecticut. Mm. I, I think my biggest impression through, through the first four games of, of all these teams is the WNBA 2019 runner up Connecticut sun really is damaged by not having some of their players out there uh, that they expected to have this season. Uh, and being being 0-4 at this point, uh, it's not that they can't turn things around, but if you think about needing a four-game winning streak just to get back to 500 while other teams uh, continue to climb, uh, they have a really tough road ahead. And probably, it, it's crazy to say this because we're only, uh, it feels like we only just started, but soon we'll be a quarter of the way through the season. And we're going to be talking about, you know, I don't know if they can get up to the one and two seed. You know, of course they can get themselves into the playoffs, uh, but the the success that they've had under Kurt Miller in recent years, I I expect uh, will be it'll be harder to come by this year if they're not able to get one of those top seeds uh, and they and they have to battle from you know they have to kind of punch up in the playoffs. Um, so despite being a very successful, very well coached team, they're sitting at zero and four, uh, and that's that's my biggest takeaway. I, I look at a lot of other teams in the standings and I'm not particularly surprised by any of them. But that mm. is the one that jumps out to me. Absolutely. Um, and I think that, I think that kind of along with that and, and maybe what's, what's 
hindered Connecticut, especially is look at their schedule that they've played so far. They played the Lynx twice, the Mystics and the Sparks, and they've lost all four of those games. Um, but what's surprising is that the Mystics and the Lynx are both at the top of the standings. And I don't think anybody else would have anticipated that. You know, if you'd have given them this schedule, I thought that it would have been the Connecticut, I thought it would have been the Sun that were three and one. You know, and I think that because the Lynx and the Mystics are playing much better than anticipated, I think that's also hindered Connecticut. Now, um, I feel you, dude. I think Connecticut has already started to, especially in such a shortened season, Connecticut's dug themselves into a hole a little bit that they really need to get out of. Um, luckily for them, hopefully we're not too far out from seeing Brianne January um, step on the floor. I know that she was, uh, she was on a plane. I think it was, yeah. was it yesterday or the day before she was on a plane uh, on her way down. I know she's got to go down, got to go through all the protocols and everything, but that might be the shot in the arm that, uh, that Connecticut's uh, going to need. Cause it yeah. doesn't, because over their next three games, they play Seattle and then Dallas, I think they've got a good shot with, and then they play Chicago. So they've got two of their next three games that are against top teams in the league right now. And Connecticut's got to wake up or else they're looking at a very feasible one in six or Oh, and seven, like yeah. at the, at the, to start the season. That's, that's really difficult to overcome. I should clarify something too. And I, I know it's early guys. Like I, the Connecticut Sun could easily finish with a better record than the Mystics and the Lynx because they're realistically they're only three games back. Like and but my point is over the last three years, Kurt Miller's had a group that had championship aspirations and really looked like they could be contenders. And this year I'm already hearing like, well, if they get January back and they play some weak competition, they can get some easy wins. Yeah. And that's not the type of team Connecticut's been for a while. Um, yep, I, agree. I agree they're going to get some wins against the Liberty and they're going to get some wins against you know the wings and the, and the dream maybe. Yeah. Probably the fever. Like they can beat those teams uh, and get themselves back in the win column. But when it comes down to it, you know, I can't picture them winning a series against Seattle, Chicago, the Sparks. LA, yeah. Like, Even Las Vegas. Yeah. And that's crazy because they've been a team in the past that I would have taken against almost anybody in the league. Yep. No, it's true. And so I, I really, I really am intrigued to see what, uh, but here's the thing. And we, we, if you've lived, if you've listened to this show for very long, you know that we're huge Kurt Miller fans and that we're all cheering. (laughs) We all want the, the league is more fun when Connecticut is good. And so we want, like, if anybody's cheering for these, for this squad, it's us. And I, I, again, if any, coach is going to turn this around uh, you know Kurt Miller's got to be the guy but uh, like we said they've got two of their next three games against like top teams in the league if they don't wake up they're looking at a really big hole to try and dig out of um in a shortened season that's just that's just going to be tough so uh okay other than Connecticut Logan what's some any other teams or players that have you know kind of caught your eye maybe been surprising to you um, not, not particularly. And I, I gotta say it's because I, a, because we're still early in the season B, I'm not surprised by the Chicago skies relative dominance. I mean, three and one isn't dominant. No team is, has proven that they're a complete cut above the rest so far this season. But I, I said before the season and I'll continue to say now, they just seem to have an energy around their team 
that believes they have the stuff needed to win a championship this year. Yeah. And we've seen them pull out some close wins um, that lead me to believe that that is true. Uh, I thought the, the biggest one being the 88, 86 win over Las Vegas, um, mm-hmm. which is, was now like a full week ago. Um, that was, that was gutsy. Um, that, that really kicked off what I think the season needed to, to be for them to start it on the right note. feel like they get a little bit of revenge for the playoffs last year. Um, and then they, they walked right into their next game and stomped uh, Los Angeles, who looked great in their opener. Um, and then went in and got a, a, a close loss to Minnesota, who's been playing really well, um, who I think if I were to slam against each other in a series right now, I would still take Chicago over Minnesota in a series. Um, they, they lost by a bucket in that game um, and then ended up beating the Mystics by a bucket. So they've been playing in a lot of close matchups and they're winning more of them than they're not uh, against really good teams who have, who've looked good against other opponents this year. So I, I believe Chicago can go toe to toe with anyone in the league right now. Um, and even if they'll play them close and, and give me a heart attack while doing it, I would trust them to hit the shots to, to get the W more often than not. And that's the sort of thing you need. That's the energy you need from the beginning of the season um, to, to have a successful run in the playoffs. And I've, I've heard this before, and I've, I don't always agree with it, but I think it's true to some extent. Um, sometimes you win games and then you get good. You know, you don't always put all the pieces together and then have things go swimmingly. But if you can get some gutsy, you know, two-point wins early in the year that things looked a little shaky at, at points in, you know, the third quarter and the fourth quarter, uh, then it becomes a lot easier to win games when you start putting it all together. Um, and right now they're giving themselves a, a really good chance in Chicago to make that run that they, they think they're capable of. Absolutely. The fact that they've had three of their four games decided by two points, I think bodes well when you, because they, they're going to know what it's like to try and grind, you know, and, and yeah, two of those games, they, they came away with the W and that, that link sky game was a, was a blast. That was an intense, intense game. And since we're bringing, we brought them up twice now when talking about Connecticut and now Chicago, let's talk about the links um, and, and what we're seeing from them. I think that a lot of people, because, uh, because we've kind of moved on from a lot of the Lynx players that, you know, were part of that dynasty, really kind of the, the only one left on the squad right now is Sylvia Fowles of the kind of their big, their big name players, you know, um, you know, back when they had Waylon and uh, um, Maya Moore and Simone Augusta, like they had all these big names and every one of them isn't on the squad this year, except for Fowles. But here they are sitting at three and one, and honestly, a big reason is a lot of their newcomers. You know, they've got Crystal Dangerfield right now who is playing a phenomenal game um, and who's looking to emerge as a solid, you know, point guard. And Lexi Brown, who's new to the squad this year, who didn't really get hardly any playing time uh, last season, but now is with the Lynx and is starting to get some good minutes. Um, those two coming in and kind of splitting that point guard role, I think has been huge for for minnesota they've been able to come in and those two have been really effective these two newcomers on this team that have been super effective rachel banham as well coming in and you know she's you know she she's averaging seven and a half points per game but she's only playing 17 minutes you know when she's on the floor she's being really effective um and i like what i'm seeing from from some of these um obviously sylvia fowles is kind of the the story of this team she's absolutely tearing it up 
um, coming away with great stat lines night after night and is really holding down that interior and playing at a very high level. I think that she's kind of in that. Uh, I think that she's putting up stats and playing a game right now for a top team in these first four games of the season that she, I think that she has to be in those early, early talks about, you know, MVP. And then you've got Nafisa Collier who, um, who was our rookie of the year last year and is looking every bit that part again this season, you know, averaging just about 15 points a game um, and doing really, really well in eight and a half boards a game, four and a half assists per game. I mean, she's just tearing it up. So Minnesota, um, which shouldn't be surprising here. We are calling it a surprise. It's hard to ever say a team that's coached by Cheryl Reeve should it like is surprisingly good. Cause it's, sh- you should uh-huh. just say they're just good. Right. But like, I think because of how much they'd lost and a lot of their newcomers coming in, I think a lot of us had some question marks around this Minnesota squad, but so far they've looked very much the part of a top tier team in the league. Yeah, uh, I, I will say, I think the Chicago game uh, outcome was surprising, beating Chicago by a narrow margin, because their other games, you know, they beat a, a troubled Connecticut Sun team twice. Mm-hmm. They got killed by Seattle, but who doesn't? Uh, right. <laughs> and then they, they beat Chicago, which I, I think is one of the front runners. And so they, you know, they've pretty much done what we expected them to do, but uh, it's starting to look like that one loss is an outlier um, and that we can expect good things from Sylvia Fowles. And I think Collier, um, is going to have a really good season. Uh, just the way that they're using her so far this year is I I'm really excited about, about Minnesota being good again. Cause I, I don't really have anything against them. Uh, in most, in most leagues, I don't like the team that's like a perennial contender because I think it's more fun for teams to come and go and um, rise to the occasion and then kind of fade as players move on. But um the, the Lynx were a little mini dynasty there for a while, and I think uh, having them come back behind an all-time rebounding leader uh, is definitely a storyline I wasn't expecting this year. But Yeah, that was so, that was so fun. It was, and it was especially cool to see Breland on hand. You know, Breland right, was right there and was able to you know, come in and congratulate her as she, as she broke that record. I thought that was awesome. And, man, it, I feel like if, if I have a – if I have, you know, if I'm ever a coach or if I've got, you know, I've got two daughters and as they grow up and hopefully they'll take an interest in basketball and want to play. And I, I, man, if I'm going to have them watch anybody rebound fouls, just, she, she does it. So textbook, like she does it so well. She can read exact. She has a nose for where the ball's going to come off the rim. She always, you know, is making contact with another opponent. So she knows where they're at and she can kind of fight one-on-one and she wins those battles. She's a blast to watch on the boards. Um, just absolutely love what we, what we see from her. And it, there's a, it, it, there's a reason why she's the all-time best rebounder in, and I think that she's got, you know, a couple more seasons left in her. She's probably going to make that an extremely record or an extremely difficult record to break moving forward. Yeah, I'd agree. The, uh, I, I know you recorded a, a solo episode about uh, last week's games Wednesday, uh, which included Sabrina going off for 33, included kind of the stunner, uh, what I consider to be the kind of the most exciting game of the season that I didn't see coming so far uh, where the fever beat the mercury by six. Mm, yeah. I, I want to talk a little bit about the Phoenix mercury. Uh, Let's we do it. Talking about a lot of my impressions of like who's good and who's bad. And I, I definitely want to get to yours as well. 
But here's I, I wanted to ask you how you felt about it. here's the Mercury sitting at two and two, uh, and at times this year have have shown flashes of uh, the bully that we know them to be, um, but but only against you know teams like the Liberty that you know we kind of expected to not be very good and not get a lot of wins this year, and then mm-hmm. other times you know losing late to the Fever despite you know a really ferocious push to get back in that game. Um, what are your impressions on Phoenix? Because you're usually the guy we can count on to take Phoenix really far in your in your postseason predictions, and I know <laughs> you didn't this year. What what are your impressions of them so far? Phoenix is a really interesting team to me. I think that uh, I think that Phoenix, you know, they started off with a couple of with with two losses. One they they got an absolute drubbing by the hand uh, at the hand of the Sparks. I thought that that just you know, that was kind of uh, intense. And then to lose to the fever in a high scoring back and forth affair. Um, I get that. And here's the thing I wasn't going to be overly surprised by any of the first game, maybe first two games of the season. The fact that they've now come away and had, had two solid victories, you know, anytime, any team that beats the Las Vegas aces, regardless of how the aces are playing, I think is it's always a good quality win just because of the amount of firepower that the aces bring. And they had a seven-point victory over the Aces. And then, uh, at this point, listen, New York fans, we love you. We hope Sabrina comes back soon. Um, but you know, you are hopefully you're self-aware of who you are and what you've got coming this season because of how, I mean, you got, what, seven rookies on this squad. The Liberty, I think, are going to be a tune-up game for the majority of teams this season. I think that um, there's a couple teams that, uh, are going to be a little more hard-fought battles. Um, but but most teams should take care of business against the Liberty, especially if, if Sabrina's out. And that's exactly what Phoenix did. You know, beat them by, you know, about 30 points there. I think that Phoenix... Phoenix is interesting because I think that they have the potential to go so far and do so much. Um, and they've got a big three. They've got, you know, DT... Griner and Skydig. Um, but it's not those three that I really think kind of set the tone. Well, I, I, well, I'll take, I'll take that back. I don't think that Diana Taurasi and Skyler Diggins-Smith are the X factors on this team. I think Brittany Griner, if Brittany Griner has a good game, Phoenix is extremely hard to beat. If Griner can play well, they're so tough to beat because they have so many other weapons. If Griner has an okay game or a bad game, I think Phoenix becomes very beatable. Um, what's cool for, for, uh, for Phoenix right now is Bria Hartley has come out of nowhere and is just dominating. She's averaging 19, oh, nearly, nearly 20 points a game. Um, she's second in the league right now in points per game coming off the bench for Phoenix. And I think that's a lot of fun. And I'd love to, to see that continue on her stat line from today against the Liberty. She dropped 27 points, two steals, four assists, five rebounds, and only had one turnover. That's a phenomenal, phenomenal game from Bria Hartley. I think that that's really solid. Um, you know, and she's not a big and she, you know, she has to fight for a lot of minutes against your a really, really deep Phoenix garden wing lineup. And here she is coming in and just making a huge difference. She's been big. Um, I don't know if we can expect that every game from her, but 
when she, obviously, you know, she's, she stepped up for Phoenix the last couple of games. So that's why I don't, I can't call her the X factor. Cause I don't know if we'll get that game in and game out from her, but I think her energy coming off the bench these last few games is what has really made the difference mm-hmm. um, in some of these, in some of these games. I think that she's, she's brought a lot more to Phoenix than I think most people were anticipating. Uh, certainly more than I was anticipating. Cause I, I thought Phoenix's strength this year was going to be, like the veteran go-to players they've had there for so long might do better in the bubble just because other teams are so young. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but Hartley is one of at least two players that I've, I've kind of added to my mental list of players that I now check on every game. Uh, yeah. the, the other being Kalia Copper from Chicago. Oh, yeah. Of just, you know, players that before this season, I don't know if we ever mentioned them on air, like on mic for the podcast, and now you can't, you can't not. They're, they're entering the conversation as players that are big movers and shakers in this league. Right. Uh, and I, I'd probably I add to that list Heinz Allen out of Washington. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. Heinz Allen Those is, are, is, yeah. I, I think she's even uh, entered kind of the, the fringe MVP discussion just because we don't know, you know, this, this season is so, so short. We don't know if some of these, you know, things are just blips on the radar or if, they're, true. if they're real trends. And I think uh, Heinz Allen and those other two we just mentioned, um, those are players that I'm, I'm particularly interested in because this is an opportunity season for a lot of those types of players. And we, we all came in thinking, you know, the all-stars of several years past are going to come and be the ones that really dictate how this year goes in, in, the, in the bubble. And it, in fact, it's been players like Heinz Allen and, and Hartley and Copper that they play on stacked rosters. Like it's crazy that on a roster like Chicago's and Phoenix's that those are the players we're talking about mm-hmm. and they're still doing enough to get not just noticed, but lead their team when they need it. And I, that, that's a very exciting development in this very strange season that I, I think is uh, one of the reasons that in future years, maybe we'll look back on this weird bubble season and think, you know, that was a real breakout season for a couple of those players that really got an opportunity. Absolutely. No, I, I completely agree. I think that, I think Phoenix is really interesting. Um, can we talk about the storm for just a sec? Yep. Let's talk about the storm. Cause outside of a really unique game against Washington, they have looked very much the part of that top level, you know, yeah. team. They had a terrible game against Washington. I mean, completely got thrashed. They lost by about 20. Um, but other than that, I mean, they've played, some really solid teams. Obviously they beat the Mercury or they beat the Liberty and everybody is, Um, but they beat obviously Minnesota's only loss was to Seattle and it was not even close. Seattle wiped the floor with them. Um, The sparks, you know, anytime you're going to be that, that talented uh, squad, you know, is big. And so they've had two really good signature wins and this Washington game. Do you, let me ask you this, Logan. When you take a look at games like that, do you take a look at that as a fan and say that's concerning, or you, do you take the approach of, "Hey, that was just a fluke. Let's move on." Uh, toss it. Uh, I'm not worried about it at all. I, at the end of this season, I will still be shocked if it is not Seattle and Chicago standing as the final two. Mm-hmm. Uh, so games. Games like that are going to happen. It's a competitive league. I, I don't want to take anything away from a Mystics team that, to me, has been surprising uh, in, in a good way this, this at the beginning of the season. But ultimately, you know, the Storm, I didn't think we're going to go 22-0, and uh, especially with such crazy circumstances around uh, this season. Like, no team is going to, is going to break away and be 
way ahead when the standings go final at the end of the regular season. So I, I don't consider it a fluke, but I don't consider it concerning either. I don't think it's a big deal at all. Okay. I was curious about, you know, kind of how your approach is to that. Um, let me, can I, can I ask a, a kind of a follow-up question to that then? So that's our approach with, with, with Seattle that's three and one, right? I'm going to give you a different team that I think we had a different opinion of coming into the season. Let's take Washington. Okay. Let's take Washington, for example, and let's say, so they're three and one as well, uh, you know, right up at the top. And they did beat Seattle. Their only loss that they've had so far uh, came to Chicago by two. And so, and Chicago's a top tier team, right? They've had very, they've had convincing wins. They beat, they, they thrashed the fever. They beat Connecticut by five. They beat Seattle by almost 20 and they barely, they barely lost to Chicago how much further do we have to see Washington play this this well before we become like true believers of Washington? Do we still think that this is maybe, uh, you know, that maybe they just came in more prepared, but eventually the other teams are going to catch up to them? Or like how far out, how many more games, you know, of, of them at the top of the table until we start to become believers? Uh, I'll do my best to give you a concrete answer to this and, and not just lean on it depends. Mm-hmm. But, but so much of it hinges on will Maisha Hines Allen continue to produce at the level she's producing? Because okay. um, if that is the case, if this isn't just a if this isn't just a fluke start to the season, and she really is going to be the best player on that team. And by the way, through four games, I would argue she has been. She's played the most minutes. She's averaging seventeen and a half points a game, nine rebounds, three assists. I right. I believe she is the best and most important player on that team right now. Uh, on a team playing essentially a a seven-player rotation, but six are playing a lot of the heavy minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, if she continues to produce through the halfway point of the season, I'll, let's call it 11 games. Uh, if if they're sitting at, I don't know, eight and three, and Maisha Hines-Allen is is uh, still averaging those numbers and, and essentially throwing her hat in the ring for the MVP conversation, I think this Mystics team poses a big threat to the other front runners uh, that, that probably without Elena Deladon, I think a lot of teams didn't expect. Uh, I think it was very easy to write off this Mystics team um, given the off season they had and, and the players they don't have with them in the bubble. Um, but if, you know, it's because we were all looking at that team going, how do you make up 20 points a game? How do you make up not having a go-to score uh, right. in, in, in crunch time? Because it wasn't just uh, it wasn't just Deladon, but it was also Tolliver gone. And then right. they signed um, Tina Charles, and then she wasn't there either. And so I think a lot of everybody was like, "Well, geez, how do you replace all of that? You know, that you right. you would have replaced it with Charles, but now she's gone too." This, I think everybody a, was a, yeah. It, it truly, it's a three headed monster with with Ariel Atkins, Ariel Powers, and and Heinz Allen uh, yeah. because they all they're all the main scoring threats for that team. They're playing together on the floor almost you know every time they're on the floor it's with each other um but i i bring up heinz allen being the x factor in this equation because atkins and powers are doing exactly what we hoped they would do right we thought that we'd probably see those two right they're they're playing so much closer to what we expected and i think heinz allen is the difference maker so it's not to say that those other two aren't putting up tons of points and helping their team win by any means it's just you know, this, <laughs> if you take one player off of that team, um, 
like like Heinz Allen in the offseason, I, I don't know how much I even notice it compared to Tolliver and, and Deladon's absence, mm-hmm. but she's the, the reason that, you know, that they're not sinking into the, you know, the bottom part of the league early on. And, and again, I, I think if they get 11, 12 games in and they're only looking at about three losses uh, and Heinz Allen continues to, to cause problems for opposing defenses and honestly taking pressure off of Atkins and Powers so they can do what they do. Um, remember, this, this is a team with Emma Meesman who was the finals MVP, and she's just now coming up in this discussion about the Washington Mystics. So this is yeah. still <laughs> the roster. Um, so here's, here's something talent. Here's, here's something that's interesting. Three of the top 10 scorers in the league right now are come from Washington. And it's Atkins, Powers, and Heinz Allen. The next, like, like what's, what's most impressive is not only are they top 10 in the league, but who they are actually, like, out-averaging on their own squad. And that's Mieseman, Leilani Mitchell, and Essence Carson are the next three, like, after them. Like, that's, that's nuts to me that those three, like, if you told me who, who are the three top leading scorers, I probably said Mieseman, Mitchell, and Carson probably could have been in that discussion as well. But yet, yeah, the Ariels and uh, Maisha Hines-Allen, I think, like, they are just playing phenomenal basketball right now. And here's what's sad for teams moving forward. And this is where I'm starting to get, like, kind of excited more and more about this Mystics team, is I basically thought, well, this is a fluke season. They're missing their big players. They're not going to repeat. Here's where I'm starting to maybe, you know, again, it's early. I'm starting to get a little warmed up to the idea of maybe the Mystics are for real is because let's say you start, you start keying in on Atkins and Powers. Yeah. Well, guess what? Now you're leaving Emma Mieseman more open. And we all saw what she was able <laughs> what she's capable of yeah. last and, season. And by the so. way, defense – especially good defense is hard to play for, for a complete game. And so if you're playing against the starters, you know, and you're, and you're locking down Atkins powers and Heinz Allen, and then they take a rest, guess who's coming off the bench? Yeah. Mitchell. You know, yeah. like, like, like essence Carson. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's who you get to contend with when those three aren't having, you know, a great night. So that's, yeah. it is, it's a, it's a fairly deep team. Um, they all play big minutes. They all score a lot of points. They all help each other move the ball. Well, um, they're, they're a team that I definitely didn't see coming this year. I really thought that they were going to struggle and be a, a fringe playoff team, but I'll, you know, to answer your original question, like when we know they're for real right now, three and one, I think it's a little deal. I think mm. next Sunday or a Sunday after when we talk in their six and two, I think that's a little bit bigger of a deal, but if they're at nine and three and they're up there with what I think the Seattle storm and Chicago sky are going to be doing, maybe even Los Angeles. Uh, it's it's time to start believing in the mystics, but not yet. We're not there yet. <laughs> uh, I, here's the thing. I, just for the sake of time, I think that a lot of these teams that are two and two, we're probably not going to spend a lot of time with. Um, but there is one other team. So we've talked Chicago a little. We've talked mystics. We talked Seattle and, and Minnesota. We've also talked Connecticut. That's zero and four. Let's talk about the Liberty for just a second. With UNESCO, you know, going out. Did you see the the clip, by the way? I know it was while you were gone, but did you see the clip of of her rolling her ankle? Yeah, I did. Ooh, brutal, right? It didn't, it looked rough. Steve pointed out, he said that it looked like maybe her whole weight wasn't on it, which might be kind of that that saving grace, I think, there. Um, But it sounds like, you know, sounds like maybe some reports are today that she may not be 
back, you know, in like the next game that she may need more time than was initially anticipated with a rolled ankle. Um, so if you are New York, which we, you had already lost nurse, you already lost Kia nurse to, uh, to an injury earlier on. And then you've got, um, then you've got, uh, UNESCO that's, that's having to sit down. Obviously, Laisha uh, Clarendon is playing phenomenally. She's doing, yeah. she's, she's playing some really solid basketball, you know, uh, almost 15 points a game. Um, what, what do you do? <laughs> where, where, where do you go? Like, wh- are, do you take maybe some of these where you don't have UNESCO? Do you just take and say, Hey, our odds of winning these games aren't big. And do you start really exploring some of these other players? Like your Joyner Holmes, uh, Liana Odom, you know, Kylie Shook, Jocelyn Willoughby. Do you start playing more and more minutes for some of these players that maybe weren't getting some earlier, just because you may think that, Hey, you know, our shot's not that good. Let's see, Let's see what, you know, uh, a Kylie Shook can do if we get her uh, 20, 25 minutes a game rather than, you know, 13, 14 minutes a game. What, what do you do if you're in this situation? Well, yeah. So if you're New York, nothing's going right for you so far. Key Nurse and Sabrina being out are, are just brutal because you honestly, I don't think they expected to win a lot of games this year, but they expected to get a core together of a lot of young guns that could learn to play together and that by the end of the season was a foundation that they could build on for the next several years. I still think that is the objective, even with the injuries. I don't think you run this team any differently and invest more time than you normally would in players at the bottom of the bench. Okay. So so even though, so even though Kia nurse is back, you don't like restrict your minutes. Like you're, you're still like, Hey, no, we're going to, we're going to develop our core and, and you know, some of these, I'll, I'll say that I would, with fully healthy players, I would play the rotation the way I would if we were contending for a championship. Even okay. if we had no wins in the win column, I would play it like I, because that's what I want that group to experience. Right. So that next year, it's not trying to get used to a whole new rotation and a whole new um, philosophy. That makes sense. I like that. You know, I I want them to experience what a season will be like when when the team is competing. The, the addendum to that is I would not rush Nurse or Yanescu back because there's no reason to. So, like, I, I would want them to play this year. I wouldn't tell them to just take a seat. It's a COVID year. Let's, you know, let's just punt and, and get back to it next year. I do want them to play. But if, if they're only 70 or 80% and they're saying, like, Coach, I want to play so that we can get back to our normal rotation and our, our best, you know, starting five, I would say wait until you're, you know, 95, a hundred percent, you know, there's no reason to force Sabrina to play on, you know, a weak ankle. Uh, There's no reason to to get nurse out there. if She's not ready to go and and conditioned and and all set. So that's, I I will say I would be, I would err on the side of caution with my injured players, but I'm, I'm not going to suddenly play a complete 11 deep rotation and give everyone equal minutes just so everyone feels what it's like to have the basketball in their hands. I want to, treat the team as though they were going to win some games this year and, and coach accordingly. Love it. Love it. Hey, uh, one other newcomer that I just want to bring up Julie Allemand out of Belgium, you know, she's the point guard for the, uh, for that Belgian national team played a lot of minutes with, um, with Emma Miesemann. She's on a two and two fever squad and almost had a triple double uh, earlier today against Atlanta um, in the, in the, W they got against Atlanta. 
Um, I just want to give her a quick shout out. Someone who I think is, is starting to kind of find her footing a little bit in a fever on a fever team that needs, that really needs, uh, you know, some of that solid play. I think that she, you know, she wasn't someone that I anticipated coming in and making a huge drastic difference for the fever. Um, but I think that, you know, looking forward, the fever, the fever is so tough. They're the team that I almost have the like late game, like late in a game. If they've got the lead is probably the team that I'm most nervous giving up the lead. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's just I, like, I, like I, them giving up a late know, lead uh, just seems so like common. I, I know they just held off Atlanta and ended up beating Atlanta pretty soundly today. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, I every time they're up double digits in the third quarter, I feel like as soon as I flip to that game, suddenly it's within five. Yeah. Uh, and suddenly it's within two. And and sometimes they hold off and win, like against Phoenix, even though they it gave was, Phoenix it, about half a dozen opportunities to get themselves back <laughs> in that game when it should have been out of reach. True. And they held off Atlanta, who's not a very good team. Um, and so I, I won't say that they're, you know, they have two wins and those are the two. And I won't say that the win over Phoenix is, is meaningless. I think it's a good win. Um, but you're right. They, they are, they are consistently not able to protect leads and just run teams out of the gym the way they should um, and make things a little bit more nerve wracking. And they, but you know, they were able to handle business against Atlanta because the fever are exactly who I, I thought they would be at the beginning of the season. They're going to beat bad teams. They're going to lose to good ones. And when all is said and done, they're going to be about the nine seed, um, possibly the eight seed, if they can get a few things to go their way. But they're going to be right on the fringe of mm-hmm. the whole season because Love that's going to be them this whole year. Love it. So we've, we, uh, we've gone through a whole bunch of teams. We've talked about a lot of different, you know, a couple different standout players uh, that have, that have you know, caught our eye. Uh, particularly those those three from uh, from Washington. Um, Dewana Bonner is just thrashing it right now in Connecticut. She's got 27.5 points per game, and they still are without a W. Um, so I, I don't know if I've seen, you know, if, if Connecticut doesn't figure it out, I don't know if we'll see um, a better stat line than Dewana Bonner from a team that is uh, – that doing that much struggling. Well, I guess we saw a bunch of that from Tina Charles the last couple seasons, but um, <laughs> Tina Charles, you know, rocking like 24 points a game and on a, on a 12th place uh, Liberty team. So I guess I can't say that. Um, but Hey, Logan, let's take a look forward. We've got a few games coming up um, before our next recording. We've got uh, Dallas and Chicago on the fourth. So let's see, that'll be Tuesday. So Tuesday, we've got Dallas and Chicago. We've got Phoenix and Atlanta, Connecticut and Seattle. Those are Tuesday's game. And then Wednesday's games, we've got Minnesota, New York, Las Vegas, Washington, and Indiana, Los Angeles. Logan, of these upcoming games, what's your game to watch um, for these Tuesday and Wednesday games? Uh, Really, really interesting question because it depends on what you want. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I I think the best game will be the Mystics aces on Wednesday in, in terms of teams that are playing really well right now. Um, we, we got through a whole show without mentioning Asia Wilson, but I think Asia Wilson, when yeah. all is done, is still going to be the MVP front runner um, just because of the way that she carries herself and how, she, how that team is playing. Um, we'll, we're, we're kind of – teams are a little bit slow out of the starting gate. We're only four games in. I think by uh, in, in the next two weeks, we're going to really establish um, who is a clear-cut tier above – um, kind of the riffraff and uh, again I, I think the mystics have a chance to be that team but 
Uh, I really think the Aces, uh, they're, they're a strong opponent. I think the two strongest, uh, best uh, teams facing off in that uh, six-game span you just mentioned are those. Mystics, and um, I'd agree. I mean, yeah, we didn't bring up Asia. She, I, I don't know why. She's averaging 20 and 10. Well, almost 20 and 10. She's just outside of 20 and 10. Um, you know, on the season and, and leading a team that, yeah, they, they yeah, they're two and two, but they're looking I, I good. I want to ask you what, what game you want to watch. And then if we don't bring a certain game up, I'm going to mention it anyway, because I think <laughs> it's fun. Um, to me, I'm actually really curious to see, um, I'm really curious to see the fever and the sparks. Um, I'm really, really curious about this one because they're both two and two, but we anticipated the fever to, uh, to, to be more of a struggle. Um, and we anticipated the sparks to be at the top and here they are with the same record. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see like head to head. If, if that's really truly what it is, um, you know, on paper, I don't think the fever should beat the sparks, but you know, on paper, we didn't think Washington would be three and one at this point of the season or sure. Minnesota for that reason. Yeah, it's, it's all on the table still. So I'm really curious because they're on the same record, but we have very drastically different expectations for these two teams. I'm really curious to see them uh, go head to head. Plus it's uh, the tale of two yellows. So we'll see what <laughs> happens there. But I, uh, <laughs> I, I'll, uh, I, I, there's three games a day and I realize not everybody is going to be able to watch every game every day. It's probably why you're listening to this podcast in part because um, so we'll, <laughs> you're trying to catch up yeah yeah we'll definitely give you uh, all the info on these six games in our next uh recording because as, as kyle mentioned earlier this uh this two game two day six game leg we're going to be able to cover you know in detail on our on our next show um but i i'm intrigued by dallas versus chicago just for pure fun uh i i don't expect dallas to be able to hang with chicago through all four quarters but mm-hmm. i think it'll be a, an entertaining game to watch and then I'm really interested in Phoenix, Atlanta. Yeah, that I was the other one that, that caught my I, eye. If, if Maybe I'm wrong on this, but I think if Atlanta beats Phoenix, then the Mercury have a real problem. I think that Atlanta's played better than I anticipated and Phoenix has played worse. Now, granted, Phoenix is coming off of, you know, they've won their last two, so maybe they're starting to figure it out. But I that one, I think, could really kind of be – that next step of momentum for both of these teams. If Atlanta gets that W, I think Atlanta is going to actually make some noise and Phoenix yeah. could really struggle. The, um, yeah. I mean, I, I call out the Mercury so strongly like that is because I think the win over the Liberty was a get right game against mm-hmm. a, a flawed opponent without their best player. Uh, and, and if they use that as momentum to, to be the team they can be against Atlanta, then I think they're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. But if they go right from just demolishing a bad New York team to losing to a not great Atlanta team who is playing pretty well right now, um, I, I think Phoenix has a lot more talent than Atlanta. And yes. if they can't build off of a win against a bad team and start moving in the right direction soon, I think they're in trouble. Um, and so I think that is a, an interesting game to keep an eye on, especially if you're a Merck fan. I completely agree. All right, Logan. Well, uh, we are going to be obviously tweeting more through those games and hopefully having a lot of interaction with each of you. Uh, Again, thanks to each of you for tuning in. Uh, We already ran the gambit of how you can get in contact with us and as far as listening. Um, But again, if you were looking to contribute a little more to the show, we gave a shout out to a couple of our our new patrons. if you are looking to support us in our coverage of women's basketball and the WNBA, 
in particular, um, you can check out our Patreon page. It's just patreon.com and then search WNBA nation. Um, you should be able to find us there. And, uh, you know, just for a couple bucks a month, you can help us out with some of our costs that, you know, have, have been coming out of our own pockets. You know, we've been able to pay for things now, um, not out of our own pockets, but through Patreon, um, and our kind of this next level hopefully means that we'll start to get, uh, better, uh, better equipment and better opportunities to give these athletes, uh, the world-class coverage because they are world-class, world-class athletes. So, um, Thanks to all of you who are already on our Patreon and, and contributing there. We really appreciate it. Um, and we'll be getting you some, uh, uh, we'll be getting you some additional, uh, content here soon. Um, but, uh, but for WNBA nation, I'm Kyle Haywood. I'm Logan Jones. And we got you next time.